Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. Now, the Andy Everett Show on Ticket 760. It is hour number two of the program, and welcome to it. Historic night last night in Oakland. Dan Patrick wasn't too happy today about Domingo Herman pitching a perfect game. Obviously, uh, Domingo has had his issues with uh, the rules of baseball with the sticky stuff earlier in the year and the domestic violence situation, which is a terrible situation to begin with as well. Uh, he kind of uh, opined today that it was the wrong guy. It was the wrong place against the wrong team. It was in Oakland. The game started basically at 10 o'clock Eastern time last night. And I don't know that how many people stayed up to watch it. And I probably wouldn't have stayed up to watch it had the Yankees uh, or if the A's had gotten a hit. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, it's still one of 24. And you got to give him credit for that. Uh, he's had his demons in the past. Hopefully those are behind for him. Hopefully he's learned from that. And now he's in history as one of 24 guys that have that have ever won the um, uh, a perfect game. All right, well, a couple of things we're going to get to in this segment. One is the James Harden story, and then also the other one is this um, drama that is continuing to surround LeBron James. I'll start there. Apparently, there was a mock draft, and I don't know how many, which one it was, because there's about a hundred of them out there already for next year. People have already started predicting which teams are going to finish one through thirty next year in the in the NBA. And this particular draft said that uh, uh, the Bronny James would be drafted by Atlanta with the 17th pick. Uh, and then the tweet world came out. looks like LeBron will be moving to the ATL. And now they're asking him if he's moving to Atlanta. And he doesn't even know what they're talking about. Or maybe he does. And the, the LeBron James drama continues once again. And it's these, dra these dramatic stories like this that I think kind of rubs people the wrong way when it comes to LeBron James. This is a guy that everybody should be championing because of how he's lived his life, how great of a basketball player he's been, the social stances that he's taken, whether you agree with them or not. He's lived, a, he's taken charge of those and, and done what he thought thinks is necessary to take a stand on them when many athletes would, would be neutral. Uh, he's never gotten in trouble with the law and he's almost a billionaire. Uh, he's lived the American dream from a kid that uh, had no money when he was 16 years old to one of the most recognizable people on the planet and one of the uh, richest as well from an athlete, an athlete standpoint. So all of those things, I think we, we should be championing him. But when he talks about, well, I want to play with my son and we're going to arrange the situation where I can and whoever drafts him, that's who I'm going to play with. Please let that all play out. If LeBron, if, if I am an NBA general manager... And if I'm drafting one or 30 next year in the draft, and I think uh, Bronny James can help my team, 
I'm going to draft him as soon as I can draft him or trade into a situation where I can get him slotted where he should be. If I am Orlando or if I am Atlanta or if I am Charlotte or any of those teams that have been talked about as potential landing spots based on who knows what the standings are going to be a year before the season's even finished, um, I, if I think he can play for me, I'm going to draft him. And I could, I don't care whether LeBron comes or doesn't come. If he wants to come, I would let, I'd gladly have him on my team for a, a one-year contract um, at whatever dollars my salary cap will allow for him to have because money at that point is not an object. He just wants to play with his kid. And even if he is the 12th guy on the bench because of his age and his ability, he still brings valuable to the team. And maybe he can give me 30 games during the regular season and a handful of games in the playoffs. So if I am Charlotte or if I am Orlando or Atlanta or Washington or whatever team is out there, and I think that's the guy that can help my team, I'm drafting him. And I don't care if somebody else is offering me, somebody else is going to have to offer me a really good package for me to change my mind on that just so he can stay on the West Coast so that it's an easier commute for LeBron to go play with him. I don't care what LeBron does. LeBron's career is almost over, or it will be over soon. What I care about is the future of my team. Now, I would love to have LeBron, but I'm going to have to deal with drama. Colin Coward brings this up a lot. Who is running the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, on the uh, documents, it says Jeannie Buss is the owner. And if you go back and watch that Showtime uh, movie that portrayed Jeannie Buss working as an apprentice under her father, Jerry Buss, the movie portrays her as a really savvy business person and somebody that would be able to really run a franchise whenever Jerry Buss moves on. Early on after Jerry's death, the Lakers kind of had a fight over whether the brothers or Jeannie were running the operation. And it was later decided that the brothers needed to go because Jeannie had been doing it their whole, her whole life and had an idea and, you know, had the relationship that she had that was personal with Phil Jackson, but kind of understood the business of basketball. And then along comes LeBron James. And the question is, is LeBron James running the Lakers or is Jeannie Buss? And it also begs the question for me, did Magic Johnson bow out of the Lakers because LeBron James had too much influence? on what personnel moves were made and how they made them. And Rob Polinka was hired as the general manager after uh, Magic left or around the time that Magic was there. Rob Polinka was a sports agent before he was the team's general manager. I don't know if Jerry West still has anything to say about the team or not. I, I don't even know if he's, I know he's done some um, other consulting for other teams. So I assume he's no longer making any kind of uh, consulting towards the Lakers. But when LeBron goes, if Jeannie Buss wants to resurrect the team in the image of her dad, she needs to hire a basketball person similar to what Jerry West was able to do. Because once Jerry West figured out that Magic Johnson wasn't too tall to play point guard, he did a lot of great things for that organization over the years, including manipulating the trade that got them Kobe Bryant in 1996. So if you're LeBron James and you go to Charlotte and now you're the general manager of the Hornets, are you in fear that these new owners are going to basically tell you to do whatever LeBron tells you to do? If I am a team owner 
I don't want that. If LeBron's going to come to my team, I'm going to sell a lot of tickets. Whether he plays of the 41 home games, if he only plays 15 of them, I'm still going to sell tickets based on the fact that he might play tonight. And that's one of the reasons why I want him out there. Number two, he's going to give wisdom to his son and to a whole bunch of younger players uh, that uh, that are are in need of some kind of tutelage from a guy that's been around the league for 20, 20 plus years and is the league's all time leading scorer. And he's going to be fun to give um, the. He's going to teach those players the responsibility of living out of a suitcase on the road, whereas a lot of players don't know where to go eat or even what to eat or where to not go or what places to avoid or that guy's a bad guy, don't don't hang around him. When he tells you he wants to go somewhere with you, you politely tell him no. All of those things are wisdom that LeBron James can part on his son and any of his teammates. So there's a lot of positive reasons to keep to get LeBron on your team coming in to next year. But I find it so annoying that before we even have a season till we know where these teams are going to finish, before we've ever seen Bronny play college basketball to really know just how good he can be in the NBA, uh, it's it's kind of ad nauseum to me to say, okay, well, he's going to go here and we're going to get his dad and we're not going to win much, but it's going to be a really cool year and cameras are going to follow us around in LeBron's swan song. It's things like that that I think give a lot of players, a lot of fans, that turn them off on LeBron James when we should be celebrating what is a fantastic career and I think overall a pretty good person. Yeah, for the most part, I'm completely on board with you word for word on that. Uh, and as far as for Jerry West, I did look it up. Uh, he he doesn't have anything within the Lakers right now. He's technically, not technically, he actually is a an executive board member and a consultant for the Clippers. So he's still in the in the Los Angeles area, but it's for the Clippers. So I don't think he, if that's, I I, I would assume he has no type of influence whatsoever. Yeah, within I, the I think he I think he got out of that, and I I, I think Jeannie Buss wanted Magic to help her help her run the team. And I'm trying to remember when Magic said, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. My heart's not into it. And Jeannie found out at the press conference because Magic couldn't find him before they needed to to make the um, uh, the, the the notification and and to have the press conference. He wasn't around. And Jeannie Buss was very sad that she and Magic couldn't have a conversation. I don't think uh, Magic wanted her to talk him into staying. But it seems to me that a lot of that could be because of the influence that LeBron has. And if LeBron is the de facto general manager of the Lakers, he's going to have to understand if he can, he's going to go play someplace with his kid, he can't have that role. Yeah, Because his kid, when he goes to play with his kid for one last year, it's not to win a championship. It's just to hang out with Bronny for a year in the NBA. It's because likely if he gets picked in the top 10, even with LeBron James, that team's not even going to be a playoff team, let alone a championship contender. And I understand the whole like father-son thing, but if I'm Bronny, I would think you, as a son, you would be like, hey, that's that would be really cool, Dad, to play. But you're already, as some people consider, you're already the GOAT. Let me do my own thing. I know LeBron has already has already kind of like put it out there that he at no at no way influenced Bronny to go pick USC. If he if that's the truth, cool, good on him. But if if you're Bronny James, maybe you tell your dad, be like, 
just let me do my own thing. I don't need you He's to come helicopter that. over me. <laughs> you know? He's uh, LeBron's been helicoptering at every game he's ever been at. He's not going to stop now. Yeah. I just I I'm with you on that. It wherever LeBron goes, it it's well known that it's LeBron's team. No matter even when he was with the Heat, you could say yeah, Pat Riley and Eric Spoelstra ran the team. And I'm sure that's the case for the most part. But if LeBron said, hey, Pat, I want this, make it done. And Pat's like, well, I don't really know about that, LeBron. He's like, no, I'm LeBron James. Make it make it known. Make it happen. If LeBron doesn't like you on your team, on his team, he's going to get rid of you. You know, there were a couple of years ago when I think uh, I want to say it was Kyle Kuzma when the fans were saying, uh, chanting literally, LeBron's going to trade you during, you know, a free throw. So yeah. well, it, it's it's whoever LeBron James goes to, it's his team. He's going to run it. Yeah, well, it's going to be his team on the court, but it is cannot be his team in the front office because it, here's the deal. Let's I'll throw in an example of the Washington Wizards. With the trades they made on the trade deadline or on draft night, they put together a pretty good young team. Now, the Wizards are likely to screw it up because that's what the Wizards have always done. They get uh, they get on paper a really good team, and then they underspend, and they don't manage their team very well. And that whole organization, along with the Capitals and Mystics, has been a disaster for 30, 40 years. But let's say that this infusion of cash that they're going to get from Cutter at $4 billion allows them to hire people that are actually going to tell the owner, here's how you need to operate. And if you're not going to operate this way, I'm not going to be your general manager or your team president. And they, they do spend their money wisely. Let's say that Bronny gets drafted by Washington. And LeBron says, hey, Washington, I'll come play for you. Pay me $5 million. That's all I want. Mid-level exception, whatever you want to throw out there. And he comes on the team, and then LeBron starts saying, well, we need to trade for this guy. We need to trade for this guy. We need to trade for this guy. I'm like, dude, you're just here to ride the bus. This, this core group that we've assembled in last year's draft, and now we've added your son, and we're adding a few other players here and there, this is our future. We're not mortgaging our future so that you can think think that you're going to carry you and your son to the playoffs when you're likely not even to play half the games in the season. So the 12th spot on the bench is yours. You and the coach communicate when you want to play. Your name's going to be on the marquee. We're going to sell a bunch of tickets. But other than that, shut up and go sit down and and be LeBron and, and be, be uh, who you are for a while. You're not dictating how we run our team. And if I draft LeBron, uh, Bronny and LeBron insists that he comes on the team, he better have that in mind before I'm going to turn him loose as as to give him even giving him a roster spot. Yeah, if, if I think if you're a lower level team at that particular instance, as you mentioned, maybe like a Washington team or or an Orlando or maybe Atlanta at that time, if if they're bad, I think if you're a bad team, you're banking on okay. Well, if I get Bronny, I know I'm going to get LeBron. I could care less if it's going to help me win basketball games. It's going to make me money. But if I'm a mid-level team that just missed on the outside of the play of the playoffs, say for instance, like a Utah right now or an Oklahoma City, I do okay. I draft Bronny, and I know somebody wants LeBron James. I sit there and say I trade LeBron, I trade Bronny and get everything you can for him because you don't want to have to deal with, as you stated, and I'm on board with you as well. You don't have to deal with that headache that would be LeBron James trying to run your basketball team. It's you're the player, we're the team. Let us worry about the team. You're going to be here for one year. You could care less what happens. 
Yep. I'm not letting, um, I, you know, if LeBron is truly dictating personnel moves in Los Angeles, that's fine. And I'm sure Jeannie Buss is looking forward to the day that he's not doing that so that she can get back to the business of running the team house she wants to. It's pretty hard for any owner to tell LeBron James, shut up, I'm going to do it my way, uh, especially with the influence that he has. But if he's going to go to a, well, I don't care what team it is. If he's going to a team to, for the sole purpose of playing with his kid, then uh, he doesn't get to make personnel decisions uh, for one second. All right, I want to get into the James Harden discussion, so we'll do a whole segment on that coming up next. If you're looking for some uh, some uh, great fish opportunities, well, it's Groomers is where you need to go. They deliver fresh seafood to you all the time. All the fish out there is fresh, and you're going to love it. If you're doing something this weekend for 4th of July, you have until tomorrow or, sa or Saturday morning to get out there and get some shrimp or to get some oysters or to get some crawfish or whatever it is that you want for your party, and make sure you do it right. If you're kind of puzzled on how to cook the fish properly, ask the staff at Groomers. They'll give you all kinds of tips on the best way to cook your fish. Most importantly, you're going to love the, f the seafood that you get from groomers it's going to be tasty on your table as soon as you get it home and cook it groomerseafood.com is the website 377-0951 is the phone number order ahead and pick up that afternoon check out all the great products on their website and make groomer seafood part of your food shopping experience all the time 518 the andy everett show on ticket 760 It's 522. It's the Andy Everett Show on Ticket 760. All right, let's get into to James Harden. The news came down just before 4 o'clock today, and he had to do so before 4 o'clock Central Time or, um, or else. I don't know what else meant, but uh, he had to make a decision as to whether he was going to opt into his deal or not. And he opted in. It's for $36 million, I believe. Uh, and uh, he did so because that makes it more favorable for the um, the seventy sixers to trade him. If he opts out, um, I guess the sixers don't. I don't. It would be unrestricted free agent. But the sixers said, "We'll try to trade you. Please sign the contract and uh, and accept the option." And he did. It's been pretty much a no brainer story that he wants to go back to Houston. And I'm looking at Houston's roster. Or was a second ago. Let me pull that back up. Um. There are only four guys, three guys on the roster that make more than that make seven million dollars or more. Jalen Green, Jay Smith, and Jay Tate. Those are the three guys that uh, Green's at nine point four, Smith's at eight point eight, and Tate's at seven point seven. Uh, if you put all three of those guys into the trade machine, let me get the other guy in here. Uh, where'd he go? You still ain't going to... I'll make it easier for you, Andy. You still ain't going to reach the number. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, well, they all went away here. I got to figure out where they all went. All right. Uh, we're trading Green, Smith, and uh, the others. And uh, the you're still going to have to add another player to that mix somewhere. And the next guy is Terry Eason that makes $3.3 million. And Usman Garuba who makes two point four. I mean, the Rockets are the bad news bears. They don't have any players. Um, you're going to probably have to have a third team get involved to make this work. And still, you're going to have to come up with these different salary numbers to match. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why James Harden wants to go to Houston 
when he's got a pretty sweet deal in Philadelphia. They're getting a new coach. Nick Nurse is a really good coach. He he took Toronto to the finals a few years ago. He's got the MVP, even though there's many that think that Jokic deserved it more than Embiid. But certainly Embiid had a terrific year. Um, they've got Tyrese Maxey. They've got the nucleus of a really good team in, in, in uh, Philadelphia. And even if Miami adds another player, and even if New York gets a little bit better... The only teams right now that I think that are above Philadelphia, and I'm not 100% sure that both of these teams are because we don't know what Chris Middleton's going to do, is Boston and Milwaukee. So you're at worst the fourth best team in the East. If you go to Houston, you're not making the playoffs. Is your lifestyle in, in Texas that important to you to where you're, you don't want to play the postseason? Because I don't think there's a snowball's chance ever that you're going to play one single playoff game as a member of the Rockets, even if you throw down 40 a night. Why would you want to go to Houston with this terrible roster? Now, they're getting better because they got, I mean, if they can keep Jalen Green, that's a good start. And they're going to get one of the Thompsons uh, that, that got they drafted. And they've got some younger guys down here on the down the road, but they're three years away from even being a playoff team, letting be a, let alone being a Western Conference contender. That's even further down the road than that. And this is just what James Harden does. It's like I'm gonna marry you, but then I want a divorce as soon as the wedding is over. Uh, and I don't get it. And that that's an, another part of what I mean. I don't really like. James Harden's game. I don't like the step back three that's a travel. And the reason I don't like it is because it teaches other players to try to um, uh, mimic that move. And those who try it in college basketball get called for traveling about 90% of the time. So why are you allowing a pro to do something that is obviously not within the rules just for the entertainment portion of the game? I understand you gave Michael Jordan an extra half step or, or Dr. J. I'm okay with that. But blatant traveling, that's, that's what, that's what uh, Harden does. And, and everybody kind of knows in the college game, you got to put it on the floor before you take it to the basket. But too many people are trying to play uh, Harden on a one-on-one -on -one game in a college game. And it's a turnover for your team most of the time. I don't get this. I don't know why he wants to leave, but I can't. I can't think the Rockets are the right trade partner for him. I, I'll have to go look to see if there would be something that would fit into the trade machine someplace else. But I can't think of a better place than Philadelphia for James Harden. Well, I, I think it's you know we talked about it the other week. I think it's just he's he's content with just being James Harden, and there's not as much pressure on him individually it's more on Joel Embiid and there are other reports coming out before you know it was a lot of the Houston chatter it was oh well James Harden's going to opt out and go to Houston and now that he's opted in there uh, some of the reports are saying that his interested teams that he would like to go to and teams that are also interested the front runners are the Clippers and the New York Knicks which, if I'm the Clippers, you're already $40 million over the tax in, in the luxury tax. I don't understand how you're going to figure that out. You, you, there's a couple of people that you could trade, but if that's the case, how is James Harden going to work in a lineup with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? James Harden has to have the ball. Kawhi Leonard has to have the ball. Paul George has to have the ball. There's only one ball. If, if I'm the New York Knicks... 
okay, it's the New York spotlight, but we've already seen that he hasn't worked. He didn't work in Brooklyn. Well, but that's fine. But the Knicks aren't as far ahead of the curve as the Sixers are. If you just want to go play basketball and don't care about playing beyond April 20th and you, you're ready to go fishing as soon as the regular season is over, okay, then go play in Washington or go play or go play in Houston. But I don't know how you can expect the Rockets to give up the youth movement that they're on and the two or three, and then they, they're bringing in Thompson and now they're trying to get a little bit uh, younger and better. And this is a long, long rebuilding process with the Rockets. They're a long way away from being good. Why do you just want to go on a team that wins 15 games next year, even if you are the star of the show? Wouldn't you want to at least be on a team that has a chance to be successful? I, I, I Listen, I've been a part of, uh, the, of over 35-game seasons with UTSA where they've won and they've gone to the NCAA tournament. And I've been to two or three seasons where they've won 10, 10, and 5 games and never had a chance to win most of their conference games. And I can tell you that when they're winning 18, 19, 20 out of 35 games, even though they didn't do what they wanted to in the postseason, those seasons were quite fun. And I'm not even playing. I can't imagine going through 82 games knowing that you're only going to win a quarter or less of the games uh, because you were selfish enough to leave a great situation in Philadelphia where you really had a chance to win. And the Sixers are not going to give you up unless they can get somebody in there that can somewhat replace you. And you're dropping in 30 a game and dishing out 10 assists. I want somebody that can give me something close to that or two or three people that can make up for that. Yeah. I, if he had not opted in to this player option where now he's making the 30, he's going to be guaranteed the 33 million. I could have seen a possibility of him, of him being like, I loved my time in Houston. I like Ime Yudoka as a head coach. I like their young core. Hey, I'm, I'll take uh, I'll take somewhat of a pay cut of a pay cut instead of 30, 30 plus million. I'll take fifteen to twenty. But now that he's already that he's opted in and wants his money, it's as they said. This is just James Harden being James Harden. He only cares about one person. He doesn't care about a team. He cares about James Harden, and that's it. And that's another reason to not like his game. All right, coming up next, we've got something else on the docket, but I don't have my sheet up right now, so I'll have to figure out what that is and tell you about it after the break. And you can be teased that way and see what we're going to talk about next. Nothing can ruin your day like a rock in the windshield. Hate it when that happens, but you don't have to worry too much because R&R Auto Glass can fix it quickly. And if you tell them you heard about this on Ticket 760, they'll give you a sweet discount as well. R&R Auto Glass is out there at 104 West Nakoma, just west of 281 and the airport. Lots of inventory out there. They accept all kinds of insurances. Uh, you can make that appointment at 340-2588. If you get there by noon, they'll have you out by 5 on most days. I've used R&R before, so have many of my friends and family. They're the absolute best when it comes to fixing your windshield. And don't forget to mention the Ticket 760 discount when you take your car in to get that rock chip fixed. It's R&R Auto Glass on Nakoma. Head there right away to get your window fixed. It's 532, the Andy Everett Show on the ticket. All right, it's um, 536 on ticket 760. It is the Andy Everett Show. We had a, a perfect game last night in Major League Baseball. Domingo Herman does so. It was late at night. Even in San Antonio, the game did not end until about midnight. 
And uh, the uh, Yankees beat the A's 11-0. They're winning today. And Herman pitches the perfect game last night. Um, let's talk a little bit here about sports superstitions. Because I was listening to Chris Russo some today, and he was talking about the no-hitter last night, or the perfect game last night. And he was he had Jeff Nelson, who was doing the anal uh, analytics work for uh, Yes last night on the broadcast. And the uh, topic came up that when you're a broadcaster, do you stop saying things that you would normally say? Uh, no one believes in the, in the uh, sportscaster's jinx until you actually say it and it happens, and then you think you affected it when you really didn't. Uh, and all those kind of things are, um, what, what do you do that makes you superstitious? Well, Jeff Nelson was talking about going through the game last night and he said, um, Ryan Rucco, who was the play-by-play -play guy for yes, last night with Michael K taking the night off, started standing up at, at, after the seventh inning and he was trying to get him to sit back down because you sat down for six innings and now you're standing up, you're, you're messing with the karma. Uh, he mentioned that Marilyn Morakovitz, who does their sidelines, but often come, kind of comes back and forth from the field to the booth, uh, was in the booth, and it was a cool night in Oakland, and she uh, had a sweater on when she was outside, but she started to take it off when she got in the booth. And he's like, you can't take it off. You know, you're going to ruin, you know, you don't do anything to change anything. So I started thinking about, well, do I have any superstitions? And I think the game of golf just messes with your mind to begin with. It's the most mind-boggling thing you're ever going to do. And you, you might need uh, an insane asylum after a round of golf at, at some point or another. But, uh, you know, when I was in Scotland, uh, we were playing Turnberry. And I got on a stretch of holes where I made like five or six pars in a row. And it, it started warming up. And I was getting hot because I had, you know, a, a pullover on. Sun was out. It was over 70 degrees. And I was like... Now, I'm not taking this off until I make a bogey because, you know, I'm, I can't mess with karma. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And then I did, so then I could take it off. Uh, but um, when I when I play golf, I have a uh, one of these, um, looks like a miniature manhole cover to mark the golf ball with. But it has an insert in it. So when I get close to the hole where I might, you know, affect somebody else's putting with the bigger mark, all you just use the insert, which is about the size of a maybe a little bit less than a quarter. Yet when I take it off the insert and put it down, I'd never put that bigger ball mark back in my pocket because one time I just put it in my pocket and I put the ball mark in my pocket without putting it back onto the little magnet and I missed the putt. So from that point forward, I always put it back together before it goes back in my pocket. Just weird, stupid things like that. And if you play sports, if you do things, if you're a pitcher, if you're a manager, if you're a broadcaster, I guarantee you there's something that you're thinking about, which if you think about it, it gets your mind off of, you know, what you're about to do. And I vividly remember that insert story I just told you. Uh, it was about four years ago. And I have this, um, this marker that I got from Muirfield when I played. And it's got the little... Uh, golfer emblem is the insert and then it fits inside this little I'd say silver dollar shape thing and you mark your golf ball with it well I was pretty close to the hole so I put the insert down put the marker in my pocket and as soon as I picked up the 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 little insert the putt it was only like a, a foot and a half putt if that um I did not put it back together and I remember pulling the putt 
So from that moment till the end of time, when I use a marker like that, I always hold it in my hand and I put it back together. Because you know what happens? If you don't, you think about what happened four years ago when you missed. But if you do the same routine every time, then you're thinking about the routine and not the physical act of completing the stroke or the shot or whatever. Look, remember Vinny Del Negro when he played for the Spurs? He did the same thing every time when he shot a free throw. He reached out, he got the ball from the official. He kind of let it go as he reached down and wiped his hands on his socks. Then he got the ball, however many dribbles he did, and he went through the exact same routine every single time. And he was something like a 90% free throw shooter. And the best free throw shooters have the same routine every single time. Um, so, yeah, I think there's sports superstitions out there. And while some people may not want to tell you that they have them, they're lying. Because every athlete has something that they actually believe in uh, when it's go time. Yeah, I. as far as superstitions, I myself never had any that I can think of uh, when I played uh, as far as like maybe routine, I could understand routines, but with superstitions for the most part, uh, what comes to mind is like you hear about jokingly guys that, Oh, well they have this particular pair of socks that they have, they have to wear and they don't, they don't wash them for like two weeks or they wear they have, two pairs yeah, of socks. Yeah. Or, you know, a, a t-shirt or a ball cap and I don't know if it was necessarily a superstition, but uh, thinking about baseball, Craig Biggio, you know, he had that, that it just looked like a rusted pine tar helmet that he wore forever. Manny Ramirez had the same one. Yeah, it was just that old, that old helmet. And you look at it and it's like, man, that thing looks like it's just about to fall apart. Everybody else is wearing these brand new helmets and everything, but Craig Biggio is still rocking like a helmet that, like I said, looks they look like, like they took it out in the shop and, and grinded all the paint off of it, and then he put it on. Yeah, he puts it on, and it, you know, baseball. I think baseball players are probably, along with golf, uh, in uh, golf players, probably the most superstitious because for the most part they control a lot of what they do. You know, for football, unless you're a quarterback, may, maybe, but I don't, I don't see as far as like superstitions. For, for football players because you rely on so many other people. Like for pitch, I can understand pitchers. Uh, I can, like I said, I can understand you as a golfer because you are in control. Maybe like tennis players. I, I don't know. I don't know if like uh, Rafael Nadal has any type of like superstition or ritual. I think more along the lines of their rituals, maybe not necessarily superstitions, unless you get into the whole well, I have to wear this bandana or this T-shirt or this baseball cap or something or another. If I wear a shirt and play badly in it, I'm never wearing that shirt again. Burn it, burn it, <laughs> burn it to the ground. Yeah, burn it. It may stay in the closet, end up at Goodwill, but if I have and if I have a really good day with that shirt, it's getting worn next time. It's never getting washed again. <laughs> no, I'll wash it because you don't want to wear a shirt that after after Saturday in 106 degree weather, the shirt's definitely getting washed. But I'll wear it again. But if I go out and play poorly in it, that shirt's going back to the back of the closet. It can be in, <laughs> it'll be in goodwill in a year or two. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got more to get to. Uh, Nick Faldo has some thoughts on what's happened uh, over the last few days. And uh, Yasser El Romanian has been, sp uh, has been spotted in Spain talking to Greg Norman. What's that all about? Well, we'll hash it all out coming up next. Well, I did my uh, third cryo session on, what day is this, Thursday? I did it Tuesday, 
And I am happy to report that it was invigorating. Yes, it was cold. I sat there and I said, hey, man, how much longer is this? Because I was freezing. He said, oh, about 25 seconds. I went, all right, I got that. And uh, the machine went off. I had a headache when I went in there. I didn't have a headache about 20 minutes after I left. Uh, and I didn't take any Advil or anything like that. So that helped that. So if you're active, if you work out, if you play sports, whatever it is that you need and got some inflammation somewhere, it's time for a cryo session at Oasis Cryo and, and, and Health Spa. They're located over there on... Um, military just north of Wurzbach Parkway. Not only do they do the cryo stuff, uh, the uh, cryotherapy sessions, but they have sauna treatments. And there are reports out there that you could really help your cardiovascular system by sitting in the sauna a few times a week. Oasis Cryo has a halo salt therapy treatment that can clear up your sinuses and your respiratory issues in no time and a thermal massage, spine massage unit that gives you the benefits of a full massage. They're leading the way to make sure that you can take care of your body without the use of medication. The website is oasiscryo.com, military in north, uh, north of Wurzbach Parkway. I'll add to this to my Stay Healthy plan, and you should too. Book online at oasiscryo.com. Rejuvenate your mind, body, and soul at Oasis Cryo and Health Spa. You get 10% off as well when you mention Ticket 760. It's Oasis Cryo. 546, the Andy Everett Show on Ticket 760. Five fifty one on ticket seven sixty. Here's your golf story for the day. You know we've talked about this uh, Yasser El Ramayan that uh, runs the Saudi PIF fund. You know what he wants everybody to call him because he's being hip and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I I can only imagine he. H e. You okay. want to know what H e stands for? Helium. His excellent, well, yeah, his head's that big right now. <laughs> yeah, he wants to be known as his excellence, his excellency. So wow. he just refers to himself as he. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you're not too pretentious now, are you? Some, some people, man, <laughs> God, some people, you just have to cater to their ego, I guess. <laughs> well, he was spotted today hanging out with Greg Norman in, uh, I guess, Spain. I, I, Listen, I don't care where the Live Tour is playing. I'm not talking about it as a tournament. It's an exhibition. Yeah, I think they have an event at Valderrama, but who cares? And that's exactly what Nick Faldo said today. And there's all kinds of discussion. And most people that follow the PGA Tour, and I listen to a lot of different um, broadcast PGA Tour related, will tell you that by 2025, there is no Live Tour. And Sergio Garcia mentioned the other day, I'm not really interested in playing 30 events a year, so I'm not playing 14 live events and 16 PGA Tour events to be eligible. Now, I think the PGA Tour is going to change the number of events that you have to play from 15 down to either 12 or 13. And obviously, the majors count as part of that. Uh, but my take is, and I've said this several times this week, is that there isn't going to be a live tour by 2025. Sergio and, and Dustin Johnson both came out yesterday and said, you know what? Uh, we would like to, uh, we, I would rather play live than go back to the PGA Tour. I want to play 14 live events and the four majors and call it a day. I don't care about Ryder Cup anymore. I don't care about this or that. I just want to play these 14 events. Well, and, and Yasser El Ramanian is apparently telling all the live guys, hey, don't worry, we'll take care of you. But he's not really being too committed on what's going to happen come 
December 31st, 2024. Because according to this blueprint, if Jay Monahan wants to disband the live tour, he can. And I think he will. It's not, they're not golf tournaments. They're exhibition matches. There's only 48 guys in the field and they're playing a shotgun start. That's not a golf tournament. That's not even a real competition. I, I know that Tiger's tournament in the Bahamas gets world ranking points. It took him six years before he was out. They were eligible to get them, but they do get world ranking points. Honestly, I don't even consider that a real golf tournament because there's only like 20 guys that play in it. And, and they play, they do play 72 holes. Uh, they go off in groups of two for 10 or, 10 or 12 uh, tee times for four straight days. And it's basically whoever Tiger and his foundation decide they want to invite. Uh, and it's more of an exhibition than it is a, um, a tournament. But at least they're playing 72 holes and it's not a shotgun start. To me, that's, that's a little bit uh, better effort than what they're doing. Nick Faldo came out today and said, no one cares to watch it. No one cares to be around it. It's not real golf. And he's absolutely right. Of all the people that I, uh, the group of friends that I have, some people will gamble on it. Some people like to you know, see who's winning to, to cover their bets. But for the most part, I've, I've asked the question, did you watch it? Last uh, summer, last uh, winter, we were on a road trip for basketball in Florida. And when I turned the TV on in the hotel room, you know, normally it goes to channel one and you just have to kind of flip through the deals. This one just happened to come up on the CW and it was showing whatever event was taking place at that time. I watched it for about four golf swings and I was like, switch over to Honda. I'd rather watch the Honda Classic. And I can't imagine that this is going to and it's going to continue because at some point, PIF is going to be funding the PGA Tour. Why would they fund something else? That's a direct competitor to that. And Faldo hit it right on the head today. I don't think anybody cares. Six o'clock hour coming up. Spurs roster decisions and some uh, qualifying offers made. That coming up. It's 555. It's the Andy Everett Show on the ticket. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.